Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Comic Accurant. I'm Saga. I'm Sage. And we are activated. We need to activate it like uh, like sound drop. We, we got to get the audio department on that. We need to activate it like sound, sound effect, something like insert sound here. Um, so today on, uh, first of all, how did everybody enjoy the first episode? It was, uh, it was good to actually get one out. We've been doing a lot of, uh, let's call it screen test, uh, I guess sound test. Um, a lot of, a lot of recordings that did not see the light of day for whatever reason, but it helped us kind of get better at doing this, build better chemistry. So we definitely love to hear everybody's feedback on the first episode. Um, I think we've got a good one in store today. There's, there's going to be, we're going to live up to the name today, Sage. We're going, we're going to rant today. Um, I don't think we ranted too much last week. I think we're going, we're going to give them a rant. Well, at least I'm going to give them a rant. I'm going, to, I'm going to go for it today. Um, I got a lot of. Uh, first of all, let me just say this. I'm going to try to do this in a way where I'm not tearing apart a group. Mm-hmm. I'm, going to, I'm going to take a real Batman approach to this, right? Um, Batman approaches. I'm gonna punch on you, like I, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna beat on y'all today. Um, the people I'm talking about, right? But I'm not gonna kill you. Yeah. Because I believe you're capable of rehabilitation. Uh, uh, and I, I do. I do. I do. That's me. I, I don't. I do not want this to ever come off like, man. You know, scum of the earth because you have nah, this opinion that you have. Everybody can. Well, not not everybody can be rehabilitated, but. Not everybody, not everybody, but I choose to believe that, you know, you can make, the decision is yours to make. You know what I'm saying? The rehabilitation decision is yours to make. And in the real world, um, you know, they try to let, they try to let people decide on their own to go to therapy or to go to a a rehabilitation clinic because the results are uh, more in favor or more successful when they decide, right? Yeah. Yeah, when you decide yourself, that means you're actually you know willing to looking, take the yeah looking forward to the change yeah. and not somebody's making this decision for you because nobody's gonna make you change but you right and so that for that reason I like taking the Batman approach I know you I know there's a conversation there that we will have on this podcast eventually but you know I like taking the Batman approach so I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna use. I'm gonna use enough force to make my point, but without killing anybody. Um, first and foremost, Sage, how was your week? It was a good week with all the stuff that came out. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Now we, I will celebrate the fact that we have uh, absolutely no obligation to talk about Spider Man this week. I mean, there's a little small corner of you know Spider Man we could address, but. We don't have to talk about Spider-Man this week. That's awesome. I love it. Uh, it's been so much Spider-Man talk. That's that's kind of why a lot of those older episodes don't see the light of day because there was just so much Spider-Man rhetoric. Yeah. That uh just is irrelevant at this point. But um but yeah no we can we can skip Spider-Man this week. That's awesome, right? So let me get my notes open here so we can so we can be fully uh so we can the activation and the preparation can match, right? But Let's start the conversation with uh, Masters of the Universe. Masters of the Universe Part 2 came out over the break, uh, a break for some people. And I 1,000% enjoyed it. I wish 
I wish I had had actually gone back and watched part one um, so I could flow right into part two. Part one was kind of a blur for me looking back at it. Yeah, I'm, I remember it. I do remember it. But, but that's I remember why I say, it, but it, it's a blur. Yeah, I definitely wish I had have went back and just sat down from episode one and watched all the way through to episode 10 now that part two is out because it was such a, I, I feel like it was beautiful, right? Um, uh, Sage, what's your uh, what's your background with with He Man or Masters of the Universe? Do you have any? Uh, well, see, that's the thing. You know, just I was real young, real real young, but I do remember having a He Man toy, so I must mm-hmm. have seen it back in the day, and mm-hmm. then told our parents, "Oh, I like that toy. I want it," and then they got it for me. So I got you. I don't really remember it, but I must have. You know, there you had some you know kind of prior run in with it. Um, I'm I'm a '90s baby, so I definitely was aware of He Man and and that, uh, or at least the image of He Man, right, or the concept of He Man. But I, I never interacted with it much. It wasn't my it wasn't my thing. I was really um, I was I'm always I've always been into fiction. That's that's my home. My home is non uh, is a fiction um, based characters and and whatnot, but. I was definitely more on the capes and tights side of things. I definitely was like, it was, it, and specifically Batman. I was like, is that Batman? Is it related to Batman? Will he talk to Batman? Okay, well, don't talk to me. Well, <laughs> don't talk to me. Don't um, talk to me. Except for Spider-Man, right? Um, and and then, of course, through Spider-Man, you get like X-Men and everything else. But I definitely was like, Batman, and then I will consider. Which, which is funny because I was just over at my grandparents' house Thanksgiving mm-hmm. and my older brother saw my uh, necklace and it's a lightning bolt pendant mm-hmm. and he was like I'm honestly mad that you're wearing this because you were never a Flash fan when we were younger it was all about Spider-Man for you mm, yeah but yeah. now it's more so about Batman and the Flash and all of that yeah I'm kind yeah. of taking a step back see probably. I like the Flash and, we're in, and I won't we won't get too far off track but I love the Flash and Sonic, and you know, I loved anybody that was fast because I w- that was always my thing in school. Like I'm faster than everybody. I'm the fastest kid here, right? It wasn't 100% true. Like there was a couple of grades where you know there was a there was one guy, uh, a good friend of mine, who was a little bit faster than me. He challenged me, but like for the most part, consistently through school, I, I had the burners, right? Um, so that's why like, I I wasn't like Flash. Uh, I like Flash because of the characterization. It was more so. I like Flash because he's fast. <laughs> I like Sonic because he's fast. Um, but yeah, so Masters of the Universe, right? He Man. Um, and and I want to. This is this is a part of the rant. You know, my mm-hmm. rant, like I said, is going to be. I wanted to be surgical, but um, it is a rant. Uh, when I watched He Man this this past year or this year, um, part one was met with such vitriol, right? It was met with such like slander and backlash before it even came out, right? And and we'll we'll quickly go through the timeline for for those who fortunately missed it. If you missed it, good for you. You better I mean it's quicker to the point though, so it's not gonna take long. Yeah, nah, it's not. Um Kevin Smith, um and, and I'm a I'm a fan of Kevin Smith. I, I think yep. I think he makes good stuff. I enjoy all all the clerks. I'm looking forward to Clerks three. Um Mall Rats, like I like Kevin Smith, right? I know that he might not be as relevant to certain other people within the comic book community, but um, I like Kevin Smith, right? So I was excited when 
he announced that he was going to be working on this. Uh, Mark Bernardin, um, guy he did, he does the podcast with the uh, the Fat Man Beyond podcast. But Mark, in his own right, is a great writer. You know, so I was excited. Um, they got some great voice talent. Um, they brought in um, Lena Headey. Um, I forget the actor's name, but they brought in Sir Davos from Game of Thrones. Lena Headey, of course, from Game of Thrones, played Cersei. Um, Mark Hamill. What? Come on now. <laughs> no, yeah, you say Come Mark on. Hamill, you got me sold. Come on now. Like, got but Mark that Ham- was a problem for me in a sense because I'm not going to lie to you. I'm just like, okay, so it's just Joker in a skull mask. All right. Okay, okay we'll, get, we'll get into that. I like, I like, I want to unpack that. But like, you know, for me looking at everything, and it's, it's hard to like. I don't know, because when you, when, you, when you voice such an iconic character. Everything is going to be. Even though, and I, and I guess it's the way Skeletor is portrayed, mm-hmm. not portrayed, portrayed as, because, I mean, Mark Hamill also did um, King Ozai in Avatar. And I honestly didn't even realize until after the fact that it was him. Yeah, 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 yeah. And 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 be honest with you too, like it's it's hard to uh you know to be an actor of any capacity because once you nail a role, you're gonna get typecast, right? Yep. Lena Lena Headey is not gonna be able to do modern work. Like they're gonna be like, hey, we got dragons. Can you come? Can you come be evil <laughs> over here? Um, yeah. Can you come be this complex, you know, female lead over here? So, um, but anyway, the point being, they had a great lineup. Everything was beautiful. Masters of the Universe. Kevin Smith spoke about how the um, and I and I got beef with Mattel, but I'll leave that where it is. But um, but you know, he he said that Mattel was basically wanting to just bring back the essence. They don't want to go and do a modern, you know, retelling of it. They want to bring back the essence of He-Man. Um, of course, you you're not going to avoid the modernization of it, right? You're not gonna avoid some of the current themes or the relevant themes of the time, but we want this to feel like like a continuation. Right. And he spoke about that and he spoke about the attention and the care that was being put onto the project. Um, the project lead was uh, was a huge He-Man fan. Right. So for someone who's not someone like me, who's not initiated in the He-Man universe. Right. That to me sounds like all of the right components are there. I know that in our comic book world, you know, in our and as we move more into uh, or as, as we get more mainstream adaptations, like the fear is always like, oh man, they're gonna ruin this thing. Like you and I, you and I mean, that's kind of how this podcast comes to be, right? You and I having these conversations about they're getting ready to ruin this thing. <laughs> they get ready to take this thing that we love and they're gonna mess it up, right? So I totally understand, you know, being a fan, being older, loving this thing once upon a time, and then you know, getting this like, eh, you know, especially if you're not a Kevin Smith fan, you're getting this like, eh, I don't know if what they're gonna do. And then one day it happens, right? Someone flips the switch. And the attack start. And the attack is basically, they're going to do a female story. The story is going to be that Tila is going to be a better He-Man than He-Man. Right? Totally not the case. If you watch the show all the way through, you see that's not the case. But the problem is, it almost ruins, like, that that dark cloud almost ruins the first half, right? Because you don't get to complete the story, um, you know, until later in the year, right? You get the first half, the first five. And they get the back five. Yeah. Right? And so if you watch. No, it was the first 10. Was it 10? So, oh, wait, this is 15 episodes? Yeah. The first part was 10. And the second part was five. Okay. Um, thank you for that. Cause I, cause, and that's why I should have watched it again, right? Um, 
Because I because I was thinking about that when I said it. I was like, wait a minute, dude. Did they really condense the story? Because they told a big story in the first half, right? It was a lot that they did. And um, and it was for a good reason. It was too. for a because beautiful reason. my thing is, everybody wanted He-Man action, He-Man action, He-Man action. But Ooh. it's like, and I don't really remember, like I said, from back in the day when it was first on and whatnot. But to my knowledge, all the other characters were kind of just you know, drag along characters. But see, that's the thing, right? And 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 I feel like, and this is going to, I guess, introduce your rant. I feel like, because the biggest problem that people had was, you know, the strong women leads, right? Mm-hmm. But and specifically I feel like, women looking like men, like if physique-wise. Which I I guess, I guess. They're barbarians. No, no, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> they're barbarians. They're, they're, they're based, he may not, and, and, sorry now, to cut you I will off. say this, though. His mom... Looked more feminine than his mom, but but that's because she wasn't a fighter. That's what I mean. She, that she's she, not going to look like a fighter if you're not a fighter. Or or you know she is. I don't know the age of his parents, but let's assume that his parents are. Oh, they're no less than fifty. Yeah, let's assume his hair. parents are up in age, right? So you're not gonna you're not gonna keep walking around. No, the man isn't gonna walk around with as much muscle, right? You'll retain it because that's what testosterone allows you to do. Right or that if you've if you've maintained your physique over time, I said you got to work for that though. You have you would have had to work for that, right? And presumably he would have had been a soldier or a fighter at one point in time himself, right? But we're adding we're adding exposition and backstory to these characters because that's what you do, right? When you when you really get into this world, you really start adding your own exposition. You bring your own worldview into it, right? Yeah. And things mean what you want them to mean, right? And there's nothing wrong with that, which is why I don't want to obliterate and kill anybody today. No, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I do want to do is attack this fragile sensibility that people have. Talk and specifically, spe- specifically, we're talking about, and before I get even, even into the meat and potatoes, I want to say this is not pandering. I'm not pandering. I have smoke for anybody who just kind of gets, crosses over into that toxic territory, right? But right now we're going to attack this fragile mas- masculinity, right? And the fragile masculinity, mostly, and there's women in this group too, which is funny to me. I always, it's always funny when you see um, women kind of join in on this group, right? You see them more often. So you, than not. so the the story of He Man is this. The story of He Man is in short, and I'm I'm getting most of this information from um, the toys that built us, right? Yep. Um, beautiful documentary, right? But I'm getting most of this information from this. They literally programmed a toy to be a five year old boy's wet dream right and not wet <laughs> not wet dream in terms of like this is what you want like secretly as a sexual desire but just this is what you want to be see, be seen as right this is what you want to aspire to right um but that's what it kind of becomes wet dream is is kind of appropriate because that's what it kind of becomes because now you have this like unchecked you know testosterone fueled rage for um for anyone that challenges your ability to be seen as he man right you're not He-Man. You're not He-Man. I'm not Batman. You know, you're not the Flash. We're not Spider-Man. Like, and I, and and the problem, the problem is more so, okay, wanting to be these things is fine. Wanting to aspire to these things is fine, right? And not everybody is a cinephile or not everybody is a narrative-driven person. Not everybody is like, oh man, the characterization of that person. Like, you know, even in terms of like, we're not going. We're not going to go too explicit. You know, I know I already said wet dream, but you know, we talking like the. I'm not going to go too explicit, but when you talk about attraction, 
the first thing you're talking about is you see something you like, right? You're not talking about you heard something you like or, you you know, you felt a connection. Like, you saw something you liked, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, at the essence. So if you're looking at a toy that they programmed to be something you would like to see in yourself, that's fine. You don't have to, like, there was no story to go along with it. The guys themselves that created it admitted that they kind of, you know, filibustered their way through getting this thing to launch by saying, oh, yeah, we got a comic book coming. And, and oh, yeah, like realizing that five-year-olds can't read. Like, oh, yeah, no, we got a, uh, we got a one-hour, we got two one-hour specials coming, right? Um, and they kind of got there, they kind of got into the media landscape of it, but through the toy, through the creation of the toy, right? And the surrounding characters. So that's cool. That's a, that's a beautiful and cool and fun and wonderful, whimsical backstory, right? For a character, right? You create this thing. You're trying to you're trying to one up um, what George Lucas, uh, George Lucas's Star Wars toys are doing, and you know to go in there and get beat Barbie sales and everything, and it's super cool, right? Now here's where, here's where like the the toxic part comes in, right? So you ask a bunch of five year old boys, what do they want, and either either directly or just through their actions, you see what they want is power, right? Now, I'm gonna inflect. Or I'm going to I'm going to uh, project my own worldview and understanding into it. Right. Pause for a second, everyone. We don't do politics here. We're not doing politics. But unfortunately, everything is considered politics. So mm-hmm. if this if this to you, you perceive this as politics. Go peace. See you. Right. But it's not politics. We talking about real things. Right. Because sometimes comics. Sometimes comic adapted media, sometimes just this fantasy world we live in, this decide, not, not live in like the real world, but like the fantasy world we would choose to live in. The, the Gotham City, the Metropolis, the, the Queens where Spider-Man is like that world, that fantasy world, that science fantasy world that we choose to live in and, and adopt as our own. Sometimes it does some heavy lifting, right? Whether it's Batman choosing to... Um, you know, take venom because he knows that as a human being, there's only so much he can do. And then having to fight the addiction, um, even though he knows his performance is enhanced, but he also knows his ugliness comes with it, right? That's some heavy lifting. We're talking about real world stuff now, right? Um, Whether it's She-Hulk, right? Addressing the different levels of uh, sexuality and attraction and being a woman and, you know, all of these different kind of nuanced pieces, right? That's heavier lifting, right? Some of these graphic novels is heavier lifting, right? Why the Last Man? We haven't talked about that, the adaptation of that, but that's heavy lifting. So we're doing some heavy lifting today, right? We're gonna keep it comic book, but we're doing some heavy lifting, and we're doing it with He Man, right? How appropriate! The guy that can lift the heaviest of things. We're lifting some heavy things today, right? So the issue, the issue is that these five-year-old boys don't want to be told what to do by their moms and by their teachers who are most likely predominantly women, right? So now there's this already this, dy- this, this dynamic of like, women tell me what to do and it keeps me from being me and I don't want to do that. I want to be me. I want to do what I want to do. So let's make a toy for boys to be able to play the character that they see themselves as in the real world. Okay, nothing bad about that. Nothing inherently evil about that. Nothing nope. toxic about that, right? Nope. Like, what's wrong with that, <clears throat> right? Um... What happens is these five-year-old boys, they grow up and instead of channeling that or learning how to deal with that, that attitude that they had at five years old, they just take it with them. They just pack it up in their He-Man lunchbox and they just go through life thinking, I'm He-Man. 
and blaming women for attempting to encroach upon the quote unquote power that they have. Right. And it's in. okay, so let's establish a basis right here. Right. Um, You uh, you from did you watch James Bond? Uh, not particularly. Not particularly. Okay. I think James Bond, when they marketed James Bond, they used the tagline, um, uh, men want to be him and women want to be with him. I think that's where that came from. I could be wrong. I know that that's been recycled several times, but I think James Bond introduced that, that, uh, that tagline, right? Um, audience, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but that that's a cool that's a cool tagline, right? Men want to be him, and women want to be with him, right? And that that doesn't have to inherently strip women of their agency, right? Right. That that doesn't mean that the women didn't choose, or the women are not choosing to want to be with this guy for one reason or another, right? And it's also not saying that the guy is the greatest guy in the world. It's just kind of stating a, a kind of blatant fact. Like, look, these these other guys over here, they look at this guy and they say, "I want to be that guy," right? And then the mm-hmm. women are saying, I want to be with that guy, right? Nothing, nothing right. wrong about any of that, right? So that's kind of like, we'll, we'll use that as our established basis because that's essentially what, um, when they program things in the media, that's essentially what is happening, right? In, in some equivalent for women, right? Um, so with He-Man, the programming is young boys want to grow up to be this guy, and the surrounding uh, female cast of characters that are around He-Man in some type of way have like maybe a, uh, a subtle to, to more blatant fascination with He-Man, right? Or at least they want you to kind of think that. They might not play it up too much, but, you know, depending on what adaptation you're watching, that kind of exists, right? Um, the He-Man-Tila dynamic is if anything, presumed to be somewhat romantic in nature, right? Um, so as a, as a young boy, you think the more He-Man like that I am, the more that things will fall into my favor. Guys will want to be me and girls will want to be with me, right? Uh, Sage, have you ever seen, uh, have you ever seen uh, like, PowerCon or like footage from PowerCon? No, I haven't. PowerCon is the uh, He-Man kind of uh, a centered um, Comic-Con event, right? None of those guys look like He-Man, <laughs> Sage. Mm. None of those guys look like He-Man, right? I'm, I'm not attacking my body, you know, attacking people's bodies or, or shaming people's bodies, but let's, let's unpack all the different layers of this, right? If one of the layers of like attraction to anything don't even have to be sexual, one of the layers of attraction is like what you see. You you're fond of what you see, right? As a as a young boy, you were fond of seeing the rippling, you know, glistening muscles of He Man, right? You tell me that one of those kids did a push up after that. <laughs> you tell Sage. You tell me that one of those kids did a push up, uh, a pull I up. See power con now ran a ran any significant amount of distance like none of them tried to do any type of fitness physical you know batman and some of the other superheroes get me through my gym workouts right i'm in my head saying i got to protect 
Gotham. So I'm doing these, whatever, right? You know, I'm using that as kind of like my fuel. I know that that body is largely unattainable, at least not from a natural perspective, um, for most people. Yeah. But you put that kind of... He-Man's body's never drawn me in, but that's because, I mean, I feel like he's overly big. But you like the Bruce Lee type. You like yeah. the, you know, the martial arts body, right? And that's, and, and we're going to get into that a little bit later, right? Redefining masculinity. Because once again, we're just using certain things as a baseline, right? We're not, you, we're not setting anything as a definitive, like, oh man, you got to have rippling muscles to be a man. You got, no, we're not doing that, right? But we are kind of using these things as a baseline of what draws you in when they present an image, right? Um, like I said, the same thing happens with women when you present an image, right? Um, so having the rippling muscles is not an indictment if you don't have it, uh, or it's not a automatic, you know, application acceptance into the man club if you do have it, right? So it's not, you know, it's not one way or the other, but we have to kind of address where people's mentality kind of gets formed or where what what they get fixated on, right? right. Um, and with He-Man being designed literally to be a barbaric, you know, towering barbaric figure, mm-hmm. right? As a toy, you're you're, you know, punching, kicking, you're dominating, right? With the toy. And the toy came first. There was no characterization, just a toy. When they asked boys what they wanted, boys wanted power, according to them. And I tend to think that's true because if you look at the action as they've grown, you can see how you can see how whatever existed as a seed there blossomed because of their attachment to He-Man, right? So you get a you get boys trying to be powerful, right? But looking like the least powerful things in the room. That can have a psychological effect on you if you don't have the the commanding physique of a Rambo, of a Conan, of a He-Man, right? Of a Batman. If you don't have that commanding physique, you can go through life maybe perceiving your stature as less than, right? Right. Now enter the He-Man cartoon. The cartoon added such beautiful dichotomy to the to the yet to be established um world of he-man there was no prince adam before the cartoon they introduced prince adam this alter ego right literally kind of parallel paralleling what clark kent is to superman yeah you know how beautiful that is because now instead of just saying oh he-man only exists as this barbaric muscle-bound figure who punches his way through problems you now have a more civilized and in in many ways cultured kind of character in prince adam prince adam has these characteristics of um of being like even keel right uh prince adam is very um i've seen some of those older episodes think a couple of those episodes he was like painting and chilling they i know what they were trying to do they were trying to they were trying to give this duality of like grr he man and right and then prince adam in this pink tunic right um but what they really were doing was saying hey you can have this super hyper masculine thing that exists inside of you right this power right inside of you but 
you don't have to live in that space your entire day, right? There are certain times where you might have to punch your way through a problem. There are certain times you might have to do that, right? And the TV show, of course, like most TV shows do, they become a little bit more comical, right? So it wasn't as, you know, they, the guys made these toys and they wanted it to feel virile, right? Um, masculine, virile, and grr, right? But the, com- uh, but the uh, cartoon didn't have that same tone. It took a more lighthearted tone, probably has something to do with, um, you know, TV shows at one point in time used to have like a regulation that needed a certain amount of educational kind of material to go with the shows, right? Um, so probably has something to do with that. So the tone changes a little bit and you get this, you get this alter ego character and you get that alter ego character having to make the choice every day to say, by the power of Grayskull, I have the power, right? And then distributing that power to his friends so they can all save the day. So they can all siphon some of that power and they can all go save the day, right? Right. I think this uh, Masters of the Universe revelation dove into that element so beautifully as a story, right? Even if I'm not initiated by the world, they accomplished their goal of bringing this, bringing this uh, uh, character to a new audience. And I'm not even like, I'm one, I wouldn't even say I'm the intended audience because um, I'm old enough to remember He-Man in like a certain capacity, right? Um, so it's not like I, I'm the kid that's going to fuel He-Man sales for the next, you know, 20 years. That's not who I am. So I don't even think I'm the intended audience, but I am the intended audience in terms of, um, you know, maybe you are an adult now in in this age bracket that would remember He-Man, but maybe you were never grabbed by it before because there are some adult themes in this show. They're not, you know, playing two children like the initial show was. The initial show was playing two children specifically. They do a moral at the end, like many shows did. Sonic used to do it. Um, uh, G.I. Joe used to do it. Captain Play. You know, you got these shows that played directly to kids and then gave a moral message at the end uh, based on what went on in the, in the episode. And they they did that in the initial run. But of course, this show, they just went for it. They showed you, cert- you know, certain things. They talked about certain things and it wasn't graphic or whatnot. But there were certain, you know, there were some adult jokes in there um, and, and not Disney Pixar hidden adult jokes. They're kind of like there, you know, but. They did a good job honing in on that essence, which was, hey, man, this this power can be shared. This power does is not threatened by you you having some of it or you having your own. Right. You having your own power doesn't threaten the power that I have. But these. uh, You know, guys that tend to fall victim to this uh, this super uh, volatile red pill rhetoric, right? And that's funny in itself. We're not really going to talk about Matrix this episode. Matrix coming. Matrix uh, 4 is coming, and we'll talk about it. But this episode is not really about Matrix, but let's, for a moment, um, have a good laugh at the irony of what Matrix is as a story and what people extrapolate from Matrix as a story, right? The um, transgendered women that created Matrix were addressing their own um, their own reality, right? And so the red pill, blue pill was a metaphor that addressed their reality, right? But like we do when we love a 
love the narrative of a thing. We pull our we we pull what is relevant to us out, right? But these guys that want to be super hyper masculine, that don't walk into a room and exude super hyper masculinity, other than what they spew out of their mouth, they cling to this red pill because the red pill, of course, was the truth pill. Pill, right? It was the you get to see what the, what's really going on, right? They cling to this thing. <laughs> and this concept was come up with by something that they would never even acknowledge is, is, is a, uh, has any type of validity, right? And this thing is I'm living in a world where I'm supposed to behave this way, but I really feel like something inside of me is telling me I need to behave this way and I need to look this way because this is more true to who I am. Right. And these guys are just like, yeah, yeah, that's about masculinity. And it's like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's, it's, no, it's not. Um, but but, you know, the irony is, is, is beautiful. Right. You can't make this stuff up when people do stuff like that. Right. Which is once again, why as Saga, I live and die on the narrative. If you tell me a story from a character's perspective that maybe I can't understand the real world um, uh you know, version of that character, but I, but I can understand everything that character goes through. Oh, we're here. I'm here. I'm a, I can be a fan of that because I can understand everything that character goes through without me knowing the specific nuance of it. Right. Uh, it's, it's just something that you, it, the reason why this is coming up as a rant today is because these same group of people make all of us feel uncomfortable. And I say all of us feel uncomfortable because, I mean, we don't, we don't, you know, tout it as a label, but Sage and I are black nerds, right? And Sage, are you aware that, uh, is this, if I was to tell you that uh, all your favorite characters were created by, um, you know, Jewish white guys that, that were, you know, living in a certain part of the world and kind of has certain ideals. Would you be shocked at that? No, nope. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> is that your not first, in the slightest. Is that your first time running into that information? If I told you that? No, it's not right. And I don't think the women that are into comics and, and into this world as hard as they are would be shocked to know that Wonder Woman wasn't written by a woman. <laughs> not Not initially, you know. Some of these female leads, even the, even the really good ones, right? Even the the ones that, or or at least had room to become really good ones, right? Um, those those were created by they were created by guys, right? Um, specifically white guys, specific, specifically Jewish guys that had a certain way of seeing the world, right? And fortunately for us, some some of them were able to see outside of themselves enough to create stories. And of course it's exploitive in nature because, you know, there's a reason why we, we talked we had a separate conversation about this once upon a time. There's a reason why black Panther is black Panther, you know, <laughs> fighting racism. <laughs> in America, you know? No, there's a reason why, um, there's a reason why, uh, uh, um, you know, Shang Chi is, uh, <laughs> essentially, you know, Bruce Lee. Right. Um, and in and, and in the comics, you have 
antagonists such as Fu Manchu, right? There's a reason, there's a reason for all of this stuff, right? It's not written perfectly. It's not the most perfect homage to the people that they're putting on Front Street, right? Same thing with the with the female characters. It's not the most most perfect, you know. How could it be, right? It's it's written by a bunch of people who don't live in those shoes twenty four seven. They might have a great understanding of or enough to tell a story, right? You don't. I'm I'm not of the uh, you have to be of it to be able to talk about it or tell a story about it, right? I don't I don't believe in that, right? I think that we all can influence um, uh, the way things move if we are just open and receptive to really understanding where each other is coming from. But the reality is a lot of this stuff we love was created by a group of people and then they all had maybe a, a worldview in common, right? And some of them branched out and tried to give some variants, but ultimately they were talking about what they knew. What they knew was essentially being a white male, right? There's nothing evil about that. There's nothing inherently, you know, where, where, Saga, where Saga is, there's nothing inherently evil about that, right? Because that's the that's the last thing that you can control, right? What you come into this world as, whatever, right? You give what you got. And if what you got is a want to tell the stories of other people, then you give what you got. You know what I'm saying? Um, but no, yeah, you should you should also be cautious about that as well, right? You don't know how a story about uh, Lois Lane stepping into a machine and becoming black, a black woman for days. You don't know how that's going to age. <laughs> you know, there was an attempt. Um, and it depends on the outlook of the people. And because, it I mean, exactly. I think that from a journalist standpoint is a good story. There's a sto- right. There's a but good story there. The thing is, and with the history of, you know, the meaning of blackface, it comes off ex- ex- exactly. There's, there's two sides of that conversation, right? There was a good story there of how can I report if the only way I know how to report is as a white woman. I don't know how some of these things are affecting this neighborhood over here in Metropolis. Yeah, but <laughs> if you that that could have been addressed with hiring a lead black woman reporter, right? We yeah. know that today, but in that in in yesteryear where a lot of things were okay. I mean, the honeymooners, the the uh, the running joke was the man was going to punch the woman. <laughs> that was the running joke. The running joke was straight to the moon. I'm going to punch you. You keep you keep cutting up because at one point in time it was acceptable socially to I mean and you know, not we we've gotten far and not far at the same time, but it was acceptable socially to um discipline women. As a, as a man, as the, um, as the patriarch, right? Um, it was acceptable. A lot of things were acceptable, and we've grown out of that. We've had conversations that have gotten us out of that way of thinking. So I, that's why I say a lot of those things aren't inherently evil, because if you put yourself in the understanding of what was happening in the time frame, that could have been a, that could have been a person that was, who, who told that story, who was mostly a pretty decent guy. But because of the times and because of what was accepted for the times, it was like, oh, yeah, and just, you know, he's going to hit his wife, <laughs> you know? And it's just like, no one bats an eye, you know, but the women. And then even then, some don't, right? But getting back to he meant, right? And moving forward, moving forward, because there's more to get to, right? I thought they did a good job 
I thought Kevin, I thought that team did a good job capturing the essence of something and, and recontextualizing it, right? Because at the end of the day, there were some elements that maybe had not been touched on because once again, the narrative of He-Man did not come first. Correct. He-Man came first. The narrative came second. So when they, when, when, um, I think it was what, Filmation? Mm-hmm. Um, when they did the cartoon, they added their own flavor and twist and, and, and even, you know, the, the creators were saying that the voice for Skeletor, as iconic as it is, um, and that was one of the things I was familiar with not having fully consumed He-Man. I knew about, like, the voice of Skeletor and everything. Like, I could recognize it. Um, I recognized the call to action the, um, by the power of Grayskull. I recognized those things, right? Um, they were saying that that voice was too goofy for what they wanted Skeletor to be. Skeletor was inspired by uh, a, a man seeing a dead body. <laughs> of the skeletal remains of a body mm-hmm. as a child and um and a guy wanting to come up with the most uh evil character he could come up with right so you put those two wants together in in a bunch of brain in a brain trust that is is trying to sell toys to boys who you know who want power right who want to see good triumph over evil kind of in those things but um I hate when the narrative becomes that in order for boys to enjoy content, that the women's role has to be just quiet, running quiet or running purely complimentary. Like there's no version of, of a man's story that has a strong female lead that, you know, doesn't emasculate them. Like in that, in that documentary, they said that the success of, cause they, they, they said 20% of the audience of He-Man was coming from little girls, right? That's pretty cool. Right. Um, that means that this, that means that something is captive, you know, instead of celebrating that, they're kind of like they want to kind of just skirt around that. Right. But instead of celebrating the fact that you created a character that was for a certain group, but it reached further than that by 20 percent or, or you know, tw- at least 20 percent of your total audience was was excited by this story that had nothing to do with them. Right. There was no reflection of them whatsoever. Hey, I'm not a I'm not a billion. I'm not a billionaire, you know, playboy philanthropist uh, that dresses as a bat. But something about Batman grabbed me and it has not let me go. Right. You should celebrate that. I've bought Batman stuff, you know, like mm-hmm. I buy Batman comics, you know. Um, it's it's just one of those things that you should celebrate. But instead of celebrating it, it's like, hey, we want to, um, you know, the the other division. Uh, it's like, and, and, and Mattel's like, hey, we want to piggyback off of this. And so they come up with She-Ra, right? And speaking of that, I wonder if they're going to introduce her at some point. It makes me wonder. Well, you know, there's a, there is a <clears throat> concurrent. I know, she, I know she has her own show. Yeah. And it's completely not canon to what's happening with he Yeah, at but the then, and, and this is not really a spoiler, but it's a spoiler, I guess. They they said something about Eternia and, and Grayskull. Yeah, and then they said, in this most recent part of He-Man, they said something about Earth. Yeah, they did. The yeah. mom was like, "I'm gonna return to Earth," return, and I'm right. like, "Okay, right, right, right." So there, the in, in I think there is, you know, I think Kevin has kind of alluded to Mattel wanting to go further, but they've got a but they they're pushing He Man really hard because they got a whole separate CGI um, kids version, yeah, kids version of He Man, like super super uh, um, campy. No, no, no. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it's it's not it's future dystopic. Um, it's not steampunk. 
it's like cyberpunk. It's cyberpunk is what I'm looking for. Uh, it's cyberpunk's uh, heat man um, that you would think that people who wanted to hold on to the essence would be mad at. <laughs> like, what is this? Right. But anyway, I digress. The, the whole point is that I love that he man has this character, Prince Adam, that that and I love that they honed in and and, and said it that what makes He-Man the hero he is that makes men want to be him and women want to be with him is he has this power and he relinquishes it after the job is done. He feels no need to wield this power 24-7 over people, pounding his chest in every room he walks in, and he can choose in moments when it requires it, he can choose his weaker form, quote unquote, which takes immeasurable strength to know you look this way. I can throw a rock the size of a mountain, <laughs> you know, across a field. And that's and and that's a form that most people would want to exist in, but I can choose to exist in this weaker body because I know who I am, man. I'm good, man. The men still want to be me in this form. The women still want to be with me in this form. What's more masculine than that, right? And that's where that's where the conversation shifts from this like kind of prototypical sense to like the um, redefinition, the redefining of masculinity. There's nothing, you know, yes, there, look, I said there's no pandering. So I'm not going to pander and, and, and say there's no attack on masculine. No, there is. There is. Like any, anything that has held power and, and abused it is being attacked currently. But that, that doesn't mean that, that doesn't mean that um, the very existence of masculinity is a problem. No, it doesn't mean that at all. It means that the abuse of power is the problem. Right. The very thing that these incel groups, these red pill incel groups are, you know, wanting to uh, to. Uh, scream at the top of their lungs to the mountaintops. Is the is the problem. Right. Um, it has nothing to do with the fact that. He man is he man. Right. Or he man is a man. Right. This is, you know, and yes, there are some people who who would disagree. There are some some women who would say, nope, the very existence of men is a problem, which is why we really need to get into why the last man, right? And we will. But there were some great conversations in why the last man that varied, and I think it was very grounded and realistic. You had the group of women that were like, no, men are everything. Uh, men are the future, right? Then you had the group of women that were like, we don't need them no way. I'm glad they're gone. We're gonna, Now we're going to figure this out. Then you had the group of women that were kind of like, eh, well, the men weren't the greatest, but they weren't the worst, right? You had some, you had some balanced conversation. You had groups of people that were reflecting different parts of the conversation, right? It wasn't just mm -hmm. all just like, <clears throat> yay, the men are gone, right? You know, it was, it was a great, and I haven't finished reading um, the graphic novel, but um, I haven't even really gotten into like the good stuff. But, you know, you, you, you see realistic conversations happening. But yeah, they, of course, there's always going to be the group that just wants to get rid of the, um, the the party that has historically held the power. So what? You keep, you, you it, no, we're not all going to agree. No one needs to all agree, which is why, again, 
I don't want to kill these people. I don't want to completely obliterate these people, but I do want to poke on the poke fun of the things that need to be poked fun at, right? Like, what does your bird chest have to do with a, uh, uh, the fact that a woman over here is uh, killing it at her job or is a power lifter and you can't lift a, a tomato jar? Like, what does it have to do? What, is, what do the and two things is, have to do with each other? This is where I jump in finally. <clears throat> so the biggest thing is that they did for this version of He-Man was make it so that going forward, everybody has a part in this story. Absolutely. Because I understand that, you know, for the fanboys, there wasn't enough He-Man action in the first one. You right. know what I'm saying? In the first part. Right. But there is definitely enough oh of my. it in the second part. Some of the best anime fighting I've ever yes, seen. Yes, like there's definitely some of it in the... They got busy. Yeah, but, but like I said, that was to drive forward these other characters so now that going forward because because they set up for a part three yeah yeah that everybody has a part to play now instead of he-man just carrying the show and skeletor is not reformed he's not like good guy skeletor now like nope he aligned because his interests were aligned much much like alex luthor would do my and then when he got the chance to betray exactly betrayed exactly exactly and now skeletor is it has much more He's he's dynamic as it is, but now Skeletor has much more of a dynamic ability because now he has to figure out how to rebuild without his kind of group of uh, uh, immediate followers. And I would just like to point out, once again, that's why I just see him as Skele-Joker because the way they were they, talking about him yeah. is Joker character where he was like, yeah, without He-Man, you're nothing, buddy. Well, they, they have a... Uh, they they have, played at that. Well, they, Evil Lynn did, at least. They have, yeah, they did, they did. They kind of made that parallel. They, they have a lot. Her Harley Quinn. Now that I think about it, no, well, oh, Kevin Smith, you're not slick. No, let's not. Reduce. Oh no, 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 let's nah, not reduce nah. Evil Lynn. Wait Harley a minute, Quinn. wait a minute, nah, Kevin Smith, you're not slick. No, there was a there was some Batman reference there because you got Mark Hamill and he's playing this character and he is essentially he is uh, his biggest roles from a voice actor perspective are these homicidal. Um, you know, megalomaniacs, right? But the it, in in the uh, I've heard more than one pe- person say this, like more more than one fictional narrative writer say this. Uh, but hearing Mark Hamill say it on the after show that they did, that these guys don't feel like they're doing anything wrong, right? So you do have the the you know key to a good villain is to have them not all the time just be outright evil. They have to, from their perspective, think that they're the protagonist in their story, right? If if the villain if the villain was purely like, I'm gonna be the antagonist for you, we would get bored of that pretty quick. But the different layers of villainy, right? You've got you've got the Joker, which is the prototypical like, you know, uh, I'm crazy. I'm leaning into this crazy because the world is crazy. The world is chaotic, right? The world is you know, kind of what Evelyn was getting into when she saw everything, yeah. right? The world is chaotic, so it doesn't matter. So just do whatever you want. So you have that level of villainy, but you don't get that all the time. Then you have the level of villainy where it's like um, a Black Adam, Poison Ivy. Uh, I have doing a, this for a cause. Doctor Doom, right? I'm yeah, no, I'm I'm not really aligned with whatever you jokers are talking about. I'm an evil at a cause. Exactly. There's a thing I got to do, or the thing. There's a thing that should be done. There's the you know the Thanos. Uh, not the uh, not the comic book Thanos, but the um, 
uh, MCU Thanos, where it's like, yeah, there's a Killmonger. You know, there's yeah. a thing that there's a thing that is not being satisfied in life in general. And you people are running around taking the moniker of heroes, but yet you're letting this stuff go unchecked and unmonitored. And you know, um, you know, it's so there's different levels to it, right? And uh, and yeah, like you you got to have a similar conversation with Eva Lynn that we're having with Harley Quinn right now, which is she's following this guy and she's doing this guy's bidding. But if this guy is the evil guy that we think he is, how do you think he's treating the people around him, right? He's not just abusive to women. He's abusive to everyone. However, when you're abusive to a woman and then that abuse is followed by this like thinly veiled follow me because like, you know, I love you. We have a word for that, or we have a, we have a title for that. So the conversation happening with Carly Quinn and with that happened with Evelyn of domestic abuse, that's a real one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can love your villains. You can love your, you don't have to not love Skeletor as a villain, but let's once again, comic books doing heavy lifting. We're talking about real things here. This is not just all fun and games when you've got, this level of, of uh, you know, evil left to his own devices, right? Because if people are seeing that and then they're clearly, because they take this narrative of he, I am He-Man, I have the power into the real world, what's stopping them from taking the narrative of, you know, I'm, I'm Skeletor, you know, I'm the, I'm the antagonist into the real world. You have to, you, comics have to talk about these things, man. And so like, again, the cartoon introduced these moral messages at the end of the, the episode fam like this show i think carefully dealt with these different moral messages i don't think they outright said anything i don't for the people that were so angry that tila was you know she got mad at everybody and she went off and she shaved half their hair off and that's the lesbian cut you know that's the le- <laughs> listen to these idiots Oh, sorry. I don't, I'm. That's the last name I'm going to call him. But, you know, mm. like, that's the lesbian haircut. I mean, if, yes, obviously things have, like, like some stereotypes come with, you know, some, like, uh, some some mild validity, right? Of, like, oh, that, that does typically get associated with that in the real world, right? By that group of people, right? Or whatever. But we're talking about like you saw a haircut and immediately it was like, oh, see, I knew I knew this was going to be a bait and switch. He man where Tila is he man and she's going to be a he and he's going to be a she and yada, 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 yada. And it's like, but he was wearing a tunic from the beginning and he had long flowy bangs from the beginning. So if all you saw was, you know, 25 inch biceps, sir, (laughs) you missed quite a bit. You miss quite a bit. Um, it's that you pick and choose the things that you want to see, right? You wanted to see the you wanted to see the man running around in loincloth. Uh, you got to see the man running around in loincloth, right? But if you wanted to understand that there was a duality to power, you got to see that as well, right? Um, that fight was amazing. That feral he man fight, and 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 it was a it was a nod to his original um, you know toy creation, right? This feral barbaric beast wielding a battle axe. <laughs> it was beautiful. It was there was a lot of grace notes there. They brought in a lot of characters that had, you know, long stopped selling. I mean, he man had stopped selling, right? Um, 
But yeah, just you know, it's it's interesting. Even the creators, they said that the success of the Shira toys and the and the little sisters to these guys running around also able to now say, We have the power. Made the boys not want to play with the He-Man toys anymore. He's like, Oh, my little sister has power too. I don't want it. <laughs> Look at that doofy behavior. That spoiled brat behavior. Your your sister has power of her own, so now you you can't have any power. You don't want it. <laughs> I never had that dynamic with my sister. This thing is weird. It's a weird thing to have. But yeah, right? all in all, he man that all that stuff. Yeah, it was beautiful. Was... Kevin Smith, y'all did a beautiful job with that show. I don't care what anybody says. Um, you can tell them to come see me. I know they they will arm wrestle for it. I don't want to beat anybody up, but they, we'll, we can arm wrestle for it. You can come see me. Right. We can we can test their their red pill masculinity. Um, but yeah, great job on Heat Man. It was a beautiful job. Uh moving on, keeping the keeping the rant, you know, kind of relevant, but moving on. Um, what was there? There was a um, we'll get the Hawkeye last. What was there? It was Young Justice. Uh this will be quick. Young Justice season four. Where were we on? Episode eight? Um, or seven? I, I think it's seven. I'm pretty sure it's seven. Um, how you feeling about it so far? Uh, I like it. I, I I like it. I like it. I think the focus on um on Artemis and her adjustment is like a smart choice because that show has always once again done a lot of heavy lifting. So I think that that oh, was no, episode eight. I take that back. Is it episode okay? Okay. Um, but yeah, that I think they I think that was a smart choice. I think that having her go through, um, I didn't know people didn't like last season. I didn't know people didn't like season three. Did you know that? No, I didn't realize that. I saw a lot of people refer to. Well, I saw I saw one group of people on one timeline that I don't that Twitter stop telling me about random things, please. Like I don't, I, don't, I gotta Good figure out how to turn that off. Like it just tells me about random things when I'm not on the app. And uh, I clicked on something, and and that thread of people was saying, "Yeah, season three was the gas leak year." And I don't know if you know what that's a reference to, but gas leak year is is a reference to a a community, um, the show community. It was a a season. Um, it was like two seasons where Dan Harmon, the creator, wasn't a part of it. He had gotten fired or quit or both. And uh, <laughs> that season didn't play out the greatest. Mm-hmm. And so the following season, they were like, yeah, that was the gas leak year. So that's where that that's where that comes from. So anytime a show has a has a uh, in, in very much how like jumping the shark heck, comes from, you know, a TV show. Like and that's a phrase to <laughs> refer to like, ah, you, yep, you, you blew your load. Like that, uh, that gas leak year thing comes from that. But I didn't, I didn't have any issue with season three. <laughs> I mean, what was what was season three? Recap it for me. It was uh, that was the reach, right? The, was that, no, that was season two. No, yeah, that was season two. Season season three was apocalypse. He, he, well, yeah, sort of, sort of it was, like that. It was, it was the meta uh, human appearance. It, right. And it was it was where they adapted the uh, Batman and the Outsiders. And then you yeah. had the whole technically um, oh the Judas yeah, contract. The Judas there contract. we go. Right, right, right. So they they which which all works. Uh, which all first I get super like worried every time I see the Judas contract getting adapted. <laughs> I just I like Deathstroke as a villain. I just be just like woof, please. You're a sick guy. <laughs> let's just let's skip over some of these scenes. <laughs> um, but again, like that's a real that's a real world thing. So I'm not you know. Uh, I'm not mad at it. It's just like, all right, we don't have to do it every single time, right? Yep. Um, but yeah, so they, which which works because she was, you know, a sister to uh, um, whatever is uh, Geo Force, Mar- Marco, whatever. 
that was Brion. Brion, yeah. That was season three. Uh, I didn't have a problem with that. I thought it was fine. No, yeah. That I, was... I feel like those people probably ran into that same issue of like, whatever. Anyway. Um, I like the uh, the stuff they added at the end of the, every episode now. Yeah, the yeah. The last three have been um, Artemis, well, Tigress now, but yeah, reading, narrating. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, um, but my, you know my favorite one was the one where Superman was talking to Lois. <laughs> yeah. Or he was like, yeah, you know, I'm not up here. He's like, oh, I'm doing some work, Lois. I'm not up here, you know, hiding from diaper duty. It's not <laughs> like got I got no a, shoes on. It's not, like, it's not like I have, you know, a super sense of smell. <laughs> My man had his boots off. He was Yeah, like, he was chilling. Um, and that, then as soon funny. as he started crying, he was like, oh, Johnny's crying. He's like, I'm looking at you guys right now. Yeah. Oh, he's upset. Are his eyes going red? <laughs> like, <laughs> glowing red? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lois, and then you just hear a panic in the background. He's like, all right, cyborg, I need a boom tube. Yeah. I'm going back. No, that was great. Because his power is just activated. And yeah. this is a problem because I'm not trying to have my life, my <laughs> wife get lasered in half by accident by her that was, that was fun. infant son. That was fun. That was fun. Um, I do enjoy uh, uh, artists, uh, Artemis reading these uh, excerpts, yeah. from these classic literature pieces, right? Giving her giving her character a little bit of uh, depth. Depth and, and just, I mean, and Cheshire too. Um, I, I'm I'm liking yeah. A lot it. of women are getting more prominent roles in these shows. Yeah, which is why the you know I noticed the theme. I noticed the theme. Obviously, it's not if you're if you're paying attention. You know, times are changing, right? Yeah, and that sometimes comes at the expense of a good story. Yeah, you know, like I said, we're not holding any punches here. Sometimes you do get a lazy story where it's like, hey, we need a uh, we need a person to satisfy the diversity hires that we have. And we 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 have these various diversity hires. We need a gay. We need a black. We need a woman. We, you know, and it feels like it was that cold and, and machine, and you know, AI operated. Wonder Woman 1984 dropped off. I don't even. Well, that didn't. That never happened. That, that's not even a movie. It was, it was uh, an okay movie, but I, I don't. I don't, even, just... I don't even know what year nineteen eighty four is. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I do. I do like season four. I think that um, I've en- I've enjoyed seeing uh, some of the just you know hardcore uh, uh, female assassin characters that we haven't seen a lot of. Lady Shiva, right? Um, Orphan, right? Seeing that kind of reinterpolated backstory, seeing uh, and this, yeah, they're setting up a lot of stuff because they they're, they're definitely setting up uh, death under the, the red hood. Oh, under, yeah, under red, yeah, not because de- not death in the they name drop Jason in this episode. They name and then he shows him. up at the end of the episode. You pointed out uh, to me that I had missed because um, it been a, it had been a while since I saw the first half of season three. Yeah, um, you pointed out that I missed that Jason was there. And he was starting to have this like memory uh, return of of you know knowing Dick Grayson and uh, and of his former life. So uh, that was great because I thought he had just popped up this season. Um, I was a little no, no, bit no, distracted no. by Connor's death. I was like, whoa. Even though, <laughs> whoa. like I said, I don't think he's dead because his origins tie into the Legion of Superheroes, which were they were trying to prevent. Mm. An accident, and they never said what it was. My thing is, people thought it was the, um, you know, the saving of Mars with that mm. bomb. But mm. really, I think it was to save Superboy. 
Yeah, because that was a targeted attack, right? And so who do you, who do you think is? In- oh, oh, no, no, no. I I know who that guy was. It's um, Nick Jotan. There you go. That's his name. Definitely, that's definitely him. Okay. Because I remember the yeah, I remember the braids when I saw him step out of that whatever that machine is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes sense too. So so uh, yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot being you know pulled out of there. We can also we also got to see um. Uh, we also got to see Natalia kind of have this uh, change of heart moment. Like subtly in her eyes, she was listening to Sensei, uh, the Sensei talk to um, Cheshire and uh, uh, forgot the the girl who didn't, I forgot her name. She was she was a shadow, um, she was a shadow uh, uh, expat yeah. or whatever. Or, and I honestly wonder what's going to happen with that because I know in the comics, Batman doesn't find out about Damien until Damien's like 10. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm kind of wondering if they're going to switch it up and let him learn about him a lot sooner. And somebody's going to be like, yeah, so I was over there, you know, and I saw Natalia with this little boy. You know, he looked, looked about I, two or looked, looked about two or whatever. And Batman's going to sit there thinking like, looked about, wait, well, they, wait, you, did you just say two? Yeah. Wait a minute. Young Joe. I mean, wait a minute. Batman hadn't been in here in this uh, show too, too much. No, no, because they almost, that's that's the thing, because in the episode they went to go save Orphan, they almost dropped him in there because Barbara was playing no games whatsoever. She was like, yeah, so let me know if, because I will, I know they're out doing something right now, but I will engage the whole Bat family to come show up on that island right now. Right, right, right. I, I like how they altered. How she became Oracle. Oh no no yeah 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 yeah. Instead cool. of going, which which I really wanted, but I'm like okay, so dang they went death in the not death in the family. Uh, the killing, killing joke. joke. I, yeah. I feel so ashamed for saying death in the family. But um yeah, but instead of that, she jumped in front of the kill shot for Joker mm-hmm. and Orphan, and Orphan ends up slicing her back. Right, and then the only thing I was confused about that was the scene how that played out. I might have to watch it again, but the scene how it played out was Lady Shiva was sending um. Oracle on her maiden or orphan on her her maiden kill journey and uh, yeah. and then it immediately became um it looked like that orphan was going to be the antagonist to the bat family in that moment but really she was there to kill joker she right so it was a weird but no but remember that that the way they set that scene up was joker had offended um vandal savage yeah and lady shiva sent her there to kill joker but then it was also weird because uh, the Bat family was aware of her and had enough interaction with her to have formed some type of bond with her because Barbara jumped down and, you know, she was like, I didn't do it to save Joker. I was trying to save you. Well, no, yeah. Save you from making that kill and, and transitioning into that life. We've already lost Jason to this, you know, what well, they don't know yet, but, you know, they'll all, they'll have already lost Jason to that life. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, but it, but it but it does it does speak to why she would not have wanted her to kill Joker because I'm sure everyone in that room has wanted to kill Joker just knowing what Joker did to a former Robin. So mm-hmm. you know, um, but yeah, so that you know that's interesting. But they they definitely doing some heavy lifting. I look forward to it. But I do like that we're getting to see some of the the female characters that have always been like you mm-hmm. know like tough tough adversaries for anybody. Like yeah, they, you know this whole arc is going to be kind of predicated on these different powerful female characters. Like, McGann is going to have to, like I said, figure out if she wants to com- uh, <laughs> turn everybody comatose or not. Um, 
and Artemis is is you know having to make certain hard choices and whatnot. But she seems like when she's in action mode, she's centered a little bit more. But when she has that time to herself, but these books are helping her to kind of recenter. But yeah, um, you know, it's definitely uh. It's definitely it's definitely some good good stuff out there. Like I said, I'm I'm happy Spider Man can take a a backseat this week, but we can transition over into Marvel now. Um, so Hawkeye, I was gonna say Hawkeye and, but Hawkeye, um, the Hawkeyes, um, how you liking it? I honestly I'm really enjoying Hawkeye because it's a nice reprieve from all the big stuff happening in Marvel, but it does reference quite a bit about, you know, the stuff that happened. Oh, yeah. Literally in game another show. Fallout. Because yeah. the biggest part of that show I've seen so far was on the, when he was using the urinal and then on the in the mug he was drinking, I think, where it said Thanos was right. Thanos was right. That's what the... Uh, I, <laughs> hold on, hold on. Because I do want to... I do want to address this. The, not address it, but I do want to highlight this. The Thanos is right meme is becoming funnier and funnier because, like, every time I see it, it's tagged or is attached to a TikTok video. <laughs> it's like something very like indicative of an, a reason why an alien, you know, species or whatever would want to uh, come and terraform Earth because it's like these people aren't doing anything here. <laughs> Look at this. This is a thing they do. And so every time I see this, like, look at this TikTok video. Thanos was right. <laughs> you should have been snapped for that. <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, literally building right off of uh, building right off of the event uh, that we don't have to call the event anymore because Marvel and Disney own all the other shows. Uh, yep. You know what I'm saying? But like, I thought that was a cool reframing. Of I mean, and, and yeah, they shortened the scene a little bit, but I like the reframing of Hawkeye as a hero, right? Because you, he was the butt of the joke. He was the, why are you here? You know, what, what, what help which are is, you providing? Which is funny because any fight that he's been in, they've never lost. Look, at, I'm telling you, yeah. look at the receipts. Yeah. Look back yeah. at it. Check the receipts. Every fight he's ever been in, he's they've a never maker. lost. Every team have a, has a difference maker. Every team has a person that. Uh, is literally like not the star player, but it's like, you know, you were here. So it just felt, it felt more complete. It felt like a victory because you were here. Like, yeah, because if you look at it, right, when you go back, Infinity War, he did not participate. They lost. But as soon as they go get him in Endgame, all of a sudden they win. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Receipts have been pulled. Um, but yeah, like it, it was it was cool. It was cool, right? Because it it kind of I like when the shows, um, or I like when the adaptations or or whatever it is. I, I like when it addresses the like real world sentiment around the character, right? So the fact that Hawkeye's got this kind of uh, you know interesting um, uh, presence in the comic books to the point where you know he disappears sometimes, and then you know there's Kate Bishop has been more, you know, more of the recognizable Hawkeye sometimes because of kind of phasing Clint out to Clint becoming repopular again, thanks to the movies. So I like that the show kind of deals with the like 
like even going so far as to say like you know what the problem is like you're you're doing too much of this low key thing and 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 that's not going to sell the brand you got to you got to be a little bit more flashy because now you're just like the now you're just getting lost in the shuffle and he's like I'm not selling anything <laughs> I'm not trying to sell anything honestly I like I like that whole I like that conversation right cuz it it, it kind of reflects the real world sentiment of uh of Hawkeye as a character um let's talk about Kate Bishop a little bit she uh Another female lead. She's another female lead. She uh again, I don't I'm not like super super versed on on Kate Bishop, but um, I you know I think that bringing her in not not just for the 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 implication of moving into like the young you know West Coast Avengers or Young Avengers or whatever. Um, I just kind of like the fact that you are kind of getting a chance to see the motivation that people are kind of taking going into and, and the younger the younger crew is kind of showing you the motivation they're taking going into uh being a hero right yeah which is cool because you know even that even kind of speaks to um the way young people uh shop right the way young young people shop with businesses and brands in the real world it's like they kind of pick something that makes them feel or invokes or you know has a call to action so we're kind of seeing these heroes kind of like, hey, you know, you, you know, this one, you saved me internally, right? So yes, I lost my father this day, but you gave hope in the middle of a hopeless situation that was just sprung on me at a young age. And so I got to look up and see not, you know, you know, Tony, uh, Tony Stark's Iron Man, not the Hulk. Now I got to look up and see you just out here, you know, being human and, and facing off against these things. And you looked amazing doing it. And and I knew from that moment I needed a bow and arrow. <laughs> you know, so that was that was a cool little um kind of uh, you know, not having to retcon the uh uh the Tom Holland into the Iron Man, you know, uh, mythos, right? Not having to retcon it and say, Yeah, he was a little boy, but just being able to literally say, like, no, I saw you doing it. I saw you doing this in real life. Like you saved me, right? Even though you didn't, you know save my dad or you weren't able to get to me like I understood in that moment kind of what was going on because like, that's cool that makes her character feel more connected yeah um, you know not just a character we're dropping in but literally has a connection to no no yeah 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 you see yeah the whole um connecting it back to the first attack when mm -hmm. Avengers first formed mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I like it uh and she's she's nice <laughs> like I mean Stuff that's got to be ironed out, you know, and that's yeah, what Hawkeye's yeah. for to iron some of that yeah, stuff yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was gonna say, you know, there were moments of. So I do like that. I don't like when you have a character, any character, male, female, when they get so lost, like they're helpless in a situation. But then, of course, from a you know narrative and story building perspective, you don't want them to just have this like. Uh, so why do you know how to do this? Like, you know, I get it. They explained it to us in like the opening kind of montage. Well, no, yeah, because she. She saw that. She saw how cool he was, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it was like, okay, no, yeah. So, so she definitely get me a bow and arrow. Cause I'm about to, right? Yeah. She took the Bruce Wayne approach. I, I anybody who takes the Bruce Wayne approach, I, I salute and respect because I know how difficult it is to just dedicate yourself to, uh, to getting it done. You know, physically, um, and mentally, and and training yourself to have these tools. But then I do also appreciate the Batman. Why does everything come back to Batman? Because it does, right? Deal with it. <laughs> I mean, a, a lot of a lot of bases 
deal with it. It's with Batman. But I like the Batman year one of it all where it's like, yeah, I got these skills, but, you know, that was my first dead body and I'm happy. No, no, yeah, because, yeah. <laughs> She he, she was like, yeah, so I, I, I just saw my first dead body. Yeah, he was like, okay, move. move. We, we like, okay, we'll we'll, we'll deal with that later. We, we need to move. She was like, oh, yeah. okay. So I like cool. this. I like this uh this wolf and cub dynamic they got. Um, I, I like that. Uh, I like it's unfortunate that his his actual daughter in this, you know, in this world is missing him. Um, and hopefully there will be a nice, happy you know, resolve for that at the end because I know he wants to get back to his kids, but you know he's gonna make it home for Christmas. Come I, he's gonna make it. It's it, a, it. I hate to say it like this, but this is it's a Marvel show, but at the same time, it's kind of a Christmas movie. It's die hard. It's die. Hard. Oh, we're not doing this. We're not doing this. <laughs> we're not doing this. It's not. It is. It we're, is. We're not doing this. <laughs> but we're it not is. doing this because <laughs> we're not doing the argument of whether it's a Christmas movie. We're not doing. This. Oh no no no! I wasn't doing that. I, okay, I, I'm, I'm like we're not doing this. I never engage in that. I don't. I don't care. But I just it is. It is not. It's, it's a movie that takes place on Christmas. That's it. <laughs> okay. Well, by that logic, then um, none of the Charlie Brown stuff is either. What are you? Here, okay. No, is Home Alone a Christmas movie? Yes. I don't care. I don't, I don't care. I just, I'm just, oh my I'm goodness. literally just trying to ruffle your feathers. I don't care. Oh. I kind of, I felt like there was a rant coming in. I was like, I don't care. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I just, there's a, there's that kind of diehard nature of it where it's like, dude, I had one thing that I was trying to do and it, and it did not involve using my skills to, to do this. <laughs> like, but that's the thing though. It's the fact that he's so removed from, you know, the superhero stuff that he mm-hmm. didn't even know that his suit was for sale on the black market. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting little so But that's not, I, that's because I feel like once you know he got his kid and his family back, like he just let that life go. He was like, all right, well I'm done with this. I'm not even worried about it. I'm not doing none of this. Well it's I don't think it's on anybody's radar, you know, so it's not we don't I don't want to just pin it on him. Like it's not on anybody's radar because the thing blew up and, you know, who who would have thought to be policing for that type of stuff, right? Even with Spider Man uh uh, uh, homecoming, when the oh, vulture the, the, got his contract taken, yeah, that was Tony. Stuff. That was Tony Stark's thinking ahead. That was Tony Stark's thinking ahead of about damage. You know, all right, damage control is is doing their thing, but uh, I'm sorry, not damage control, but this little independent contractor group is doing their thing, and he sends in damage control basically. Oh, speaking of damage control, there's a little tidbit that I'm wondering about. That I'm honestly wondering about. It was when she was like, oh. You have a hideout? Is it Avengers Tower? And he was like, nah, Tony, Tony sold, sold that. that years ago. And she was like, well, that's the present. I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Who did he sell it to? Everybody seems what to we, think it's going to be the Baxter building. That's what I'm saying. Everybody's like, is it going to be the Baxter oh, so What are we doing? Like, is it going to be the Baxter building? Is it going to be Oscorp? Like, mm. hold on. Because there are many ramifications that could happen to whoever bought that building. Right, right. Um, I, I look forward to that being one of the Marvel mysteries going forward. Because I feel like that wasn't not like that was that's to me it's one of the equivalents of like um, Bruce Banner's arm being fixed. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you 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 don't just talk about the Avengers Tower being sold like it's a throwaway line. Nah, that's not just a throwaway line because there's a lot of tech in that building. Yeah, well they they moved. 
Even if you try to move some of it, no, they're sure they're still. You're talking about the, the internal wiring of the building itself? Yeah. I was going to say, because remember, they moved all that stuff out uh, in um, in uh, uh, Homecoming. Remember yeah. Happy Hogan was up there. He was taking inventory. Um, he was like, Thor, you know, dude, check, doing the checklist, like Thor's belt thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were moving everything out. Uh, I... But definitely, you were right. You're right, though. There, there would have had to been internal mechanisms to make all that stuff function as in yeah. that AI capacity. So, yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, I would, I look for, I don't want that spoiled. Like, Sage, if you find out <laughs> who has the contract for that building, please don't tell me. Don't tell I don't me. even think they would, I doubt they'll mention it again in Hawkeye. I think they're no, no, saving no, it's that for be, another it's, movie. It's been brought up kind of in everything since he sold it, right? He's kind of, or it's it's been referenced because that building, aside from, you know, it, what we know it as, as Avengers Tower, it's now a crucial part of the MCU New York skyline, right? So in the same way that in movies, you know you're in New York because of the skyline, you know you're in the MCU because of that building in the skyline. So it's it's everywhere. Uh so it, it keeps getting referenced, which is why I'm like, I would love to just, but it makes a lot of sense for it to be, you know, fantastic for it. But I would just love to just, you know, kind of one day they answer that question. It's like, oh, that person's gay. They got it. Uh, but yeah, it definitely makes a lot of sense for, because of the, you know, circuitry and internal kind of setup. You know, I could see a Reed Richards being like, yo, who built this? Amateur. <laughs> built it who did who did all this foolish wiring <laughs> in here um that'd be cool uh but yeah i think i think she's doing a good job i think Haley steinfeld's doing a good job um of course you're only two episodes in so things get better as time goes i look forward to seeing this and of course this we gotta shot. see what you know episode four is about because it seems to be like episode four is one of the pivotal episodes for every one of these shows mm, okay I don't think I took notice of that, but yeah, that would make sense. Because episode three is the breakout, and and we know that this epic car, uh, three three dimension or, or three uh, sixty. That's what I'm looking for. Three sixty, um, nonstop. I can look up the track car shot right is coming, and I'm looking forward to seeing that. What was episode four of Wandavision? Ep- oh, that was Monica. That was the re- realization of they were in a TV show. The- because they did three, it was the no, uh, no, that, that that was when Monica uh gets blasted out of the house, right? But I'm saying episode four, if I'm not mistaken, was when they realized when was was when uh they took us outside of the TV show, like one and two stayed contained in the TV show. If I'm not mistaken, three. It might have been three that took us out the TV show, and then episode four of. Episode four started outside of the TV show. Yeah, yeah. It, and it then, didn't even. And then episode four of Falcon and Winter Soldier was when, uh, American Agent was that his name? Uh, U.S. Agent. U.S. Agent. Yeah, that's where U.S. Agent kills that guy at the end. Mm, so there's. And he a... becomes a super soldier, and then mm. Loki. It was the Nexus event. There we go. It's when you. Was the reveal of um, mm. what's her, Sylvie? Mm. Okay, so so. Okay. Oh, was Sylvie or that was that at the? No, 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 no. That was where they uh, 
almost kissed in that episode, and then it creates that Nexus event because Loki's uh, not supposed to be happy. Uh, got you, got you, got you. That's great. Um, well, or, or you're not supposed to kiss yourself. <laughs> yeah, well, you know that too. Not, I mean, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> but I think the biggest thing was that Loki's not supposed to genuinely be happy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is kind of sad. Yeah. Well, because that's because no, no, no. Yeah, it is revealed that Loki's not supposed to be happy because when old Loki finally, you know, got over himself and wanted to go search out his uh family, they literally, he literally says, they literally come pick me up as soon as I decided that. Mm-hmm. And they were like, all right, nope. He's trying to fix himself. Get him. Get him mm-hmm. out of here. Get him out of here. Yeah, I'm sure they'll deal with that a little bit more in season two. Um, but yeah, this is a this this has been a good full week, and I mean, of course, by design. Um, given given where we are in the year and everything, so you know, but it was definitely a good full week. Uh, I've been reading um, where I just started. I, it's hard to read stuff because I just it's so much going on. Um, but I I'm trying to make more conscious efforts to make sure I get some good reading in. So I just started reading the um, the 2021 Moon Knight. Uh, I'm on, am I on issue two? I think it's, I think it's two issues out. I can't remember if I'm on issue two. I don't know how current I am. I'm still, I still haven't finished or still haven't caught back up with, with Milestone, uh, Milestone stuff either. I'm a couple of episodes, a uh, couple issues behind. Oh no, yeah, definitely got to yeah. I have them, I have them. I just a couple I issues behind. And so I'll let that go. So, <laughs> but, um, but yes, yeah, so I'm just trying read to it online allegedly. Huh? Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm trying to make sure I read read some some stuff because I've been itching to read stuff. I just got a bunch of open projects, um, and of course they're just bringing in newer stuff. It's, it's going to be time for uh, um, Spider Man. You know, before we know it, it's right around and the corner. Literally, what three weeks? Yeah. So we can we can end the show talking about the. Uh, the new tidbit of information that happened as soon as I got the show uh, edited up. Um, just the realization that, uh, and I guess it actually plays off of what we were talking about with the tower uh, and, and the inf- you know stuff being sold and whatnot. Um, maybe some things getting lost in transit, but uh, but Electro having some, and actually, and actually going back to his, some of his comic book origins, um, having some Stark tech on his chest. You know, yep. I I put a nice little meme up on the on the Instagram, you know, even uh, referencing uh the Edith uh Edith glasses. Even dead, I'm the hero. Scratched out hero, put villain because I'm I'm reckless like that. I'm a rebel, uh, but not really. <laughs> well, that's the thing though. Tony's gonna be relevant for the rest of the time in the MCU. Yeah, I would assume so. It's gonna it's because the because the um the fight you know Avengers one is relevant to everything kind of going forward. So it's kind of hard to get rid of Tony and and not uh and 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 go forward. I mean, we got Armor Wars coming up, so um this this is gonna have like you know future ramifications, of course. But I think that was pretty it was pretty cool pretty cool leak it, it does kind of give some credence to the theories that um you know Electro had to uh use some start tech to maybe amp up his powers juice him up a little bit more control his powers a little bit more so and that arc reactor is just a you know uh bat or just a uh not a battery but I wonder if 
kind of like an alternator. Let me they, say. Said they, they said they said they were going to fix, um, you know, the fact because they a lot of people didn't like that he was blue in Amazing Spider-Man two. So I wonder if the arc reactor is was fixing that because it's channeling yeah. all his powers. That was what uh, I believe that I believe this information or believe this theory came from the Rob uh, Geek Culture Explained channel. But he was saying that his theory would be, you know, going back to his comic book origins using the Stark tech that helps him to not just become overwhelmed by the electricity and help him to actually hone and, and harness it. So therefore getting rid of that um, buildup just internally, uh, that blue electrical buildup internally and helping him to just be able to channel it and shoot it. So yeah, this is an interesting theory. It definitely, definitely makes a lot of sense. Um, well, ladies and gentlemen, did you have fun this week? Uh, did you enjoy the show? Hopefully you did. Hopefully we gave you a nice rant there and tried to live up to our name. Yeah, um, this was a um, a saga heavy show because he definitely had. Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah, texted he, he, Sage on. Yeah, he, <laughs> like, he was he definitely like, had a big, big rant. That's okay. Yeah, last week, last week was your years. show. Last week was your show. You had you were you were activated uh, last week, so I was activated this week. But uh, but yeah, you know, it just just good comic book dialogue. I think. Um, once again, join us on. Uh, I'm gonna get the Discord link and everything out. I haven't dealt with it much, but I'll get the Discord link and everything out. Make sure to follow us on um, Twitter and Instagram. It's Comic Accurant. Uh, um, make sure to go to the homepage of the podcast, ComicAccurant.com. Um, and at ComicAccurant.com, that'll be like kind of the best place to get some of these little other outlets and channels that we have fun on. Um, the podcast is available. Uh, episode one um, is available everywhere. Podcasts are streamed, Google, Amazon, uh, Apple Music, Spotify, um, maybe a few other places after that. And um, episode two, will, I'm actually changing. I'm playing around with the days. Um, I said Sunday initially, but I'm going to try to get this one out today. It's a Saturday. Um, so they will record. So uh, <clears throat> not to break the fourth wall, but I'm trying to get it out today. Um, by 4 p.m., 4, 5 p.m. So that might be our new time slot, Saturdays at 5, Saturdays at 4. So, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll keep you posted. But like I said, follow us um, for more updated information and just to kind of see funny stuff and interact with us. You know, we want to hear how we're doing. We want to hear what you guys like about the show. I know we're only two episodes in, but, you know, we want to grow. We want to get better. So, um, so yeah, uh, until next time. Um, to Saga and Sage signing out. Remember the powers in the narrative. <laughs>